0: Awesome. Well, let's jump in and talk about facing fear. Get my notes going on here. So fear is an interesting thing because fear makes us act differently than normal. And I don't know if you've seen this or you've done something outside of the ordinary, but fear, when we feel afraid because of circumstances, real or imagined, it changes how we act and it makes us do weird stuff. Now, let me tell you a story about fear making me do something really weird. So, a couple of years ago, my wife and I w- were celebrating our anniversary. So, we went down to one of our favorite places, down to the Coachella Valley in Palm Springs. And I don't know if you've been there, but it's very different than where we are. So, up here, we've got, you know, Bigfoot, trees, uh, rain. Down there, very different thing. They have like Chupacabra, I think lives down there. It's desert, uh, you know, very different. And they have roaches, right? These big old honking cockroaches. And so we're at a nice resort. We're staying there. But I think on our first day, I walk into the bathroom and lo and behold, what do I see? It looked like something out of a Godzilla movie. This giant cockroach was parked on the toilet and I let out a manly cry. No, I think I screamed like a girl. And I saw this cockroach and it startled me quite a lot. And I was very scared. And I think I actually held it for three days because I was so fearful of this cockroach. Uh, I didn't do that. That's weird. But I I was nervous. And the things, when I let out my manly scream, it actually scurried around and it went underneath the cabinet where the the, uh, the uh, sink was. And so for days, I would walk into this bathroom in complete fear and terror, uh, searching for it, you know, do my business as quick as possible or whatever, and like get out of there because fear was really controlling me. And it's just a tiny little roach. Well, not tiny, huge roach, okay? Uh, and I look like a lumberjack, but really I'm I'm kind of a, of a wuss. Like the closest I get to nature, the most nature I do is I watch Bigfoot shows on like Discovery Channel. That's as close as I want to get. And so this was too close for me. I wanted a vacation. And now this roach is invading my space. And again, fear makes you do weird stuff. And so one day I'm getting ready to, to get into the shower and it's one of those, those bathtub showers, you know, very, very dangerous in case anyone uh, cares to know. And I I think out of the corner of my eye that I see this movement. And so I slam my shin into the side of the tub and again, let out a mighty roar uh, of, of rage at what I had done. Fear was controlling me and making me do something that I would never do. I don't want to slam my shin into the tub. That's not something I want to do. It made me behave totally irrationally. Another time that fear impacted my life, and this was because someone else was afraid, was when I was about 16, 17, 18 years old, my parents had decided to leave the house and they left my youngest brother, Johnny, and his friend, Lydia, Uh, they were hanging out. And I think they were like seven or eight years old. And so I'm sure they told them, hey, your older brother's downstairs, but the kids probably weren't listening, whatever. And I was a teenager, so I probably woke up at the crack of noon. And I come, you know, I start walking up the stairs from the basement where I lived, where my room was. And I walk around the corner and my brother and his friend are standing there with ginormous kitchen knives, and so I was about ready to be shanked in my own house with a kitchen knife. Can you imagine the, the tombstone, you know, the epitaph? Uh, he was a great guy, slept until noon, had, really hadn't done anything with his life. And his brother and an eight year old girl killed him with a kitchen knife. Fear makes us do rational things. They thought I was an intruder, right? And so they did what in their mind was rational, which is grab a sword. Uh, which, how did they know where those were? But they got these knives and were ready to defend their lives. But luckily, they didn't attack me uh, as I was kind of coming sleepily up the stairs. And so my life was preserved and all, all's well. But fear takes control. Fear pushes us to do things that maybe we wouldn't normally do. And right now, as you very well know, we are living in a time of fear. And it's not fake fear. It's not, not real. There's something actually going on and it's causing us to change how our behavior and to, to kind of feel a little bit in a different space of mind. We're feeling a lot of fear. Why? Let's name it. What is it? Well, We're feeling fear about this virus, this illness, this sickness that has been declared a pandemic. <gasps> and it's scary, right? And I get scared. I'm like, do I have it? You know, anybody itched their nose or like, and then, oh my, oh my God, I'm going to get it, right? I'm so scared because I itched my face and we're all freaked out. And we're like, I can't buy any hand sanitizer. So this is a real thing that's going on, this virus. And then if you have any investments in, uh, in the stock market, I've got some, and I'll tell you about this in a little bit, but you're watching your 401k and all of that. sort of go the wrong direction in the midst of this. And so there's not just this fear of our health, there's fear about the economy, there's fear about what's going to happen with our our, our retirements and all this. And then, I mean, worst of all, or not worst of all, but there's no sports, right? They cancel March Madness. And so what are we going to do for the rest of it? And we're quarantined in our houses, right? So what are we going to do? This is a time of fear. We've got gatherings being shut down, schools closing, Um, our kids are homeschooled. So for us, it was like uh, business as usual. But for a lot of you people whose kids are going, you know, that go to school, uh, there was a lot of fear and trepidation. And mostly it was just fear of having to watch your own children at home, right? And I have a thing right here. Why, Why when dads watch kids, is it not, why do we call it babysitting? Like I'll say, I'm babysitting my kids, but when moms watch them, it's just normal parenting. Okay, just leave that out there. So there's all this fear in the atmosphere, all this fear in culture and society around us, And this is really what's worst of all, the fear of running out of toilet paper, which I'm just telling you is a real thing. I think in the dictionary encyclopedia after this time, there's going to be a real fear. You know, we have agoraphobia and arachnophobia, and now there's going to be toilet phobia of the fear of running out of toilet paper, which I'm sure most of you uh, are feeling right now, just like me. Now, all joking aside, I propose that it's okay to feel fear. The reality is in the midst of circumstances, in trying times like we are in, Fear is a natural response. It is normal and natural to feel fear in response to fearful and scary circumstances that we're walking through together, together. But here's the thing. I, I I would propose this to you today. My thesis for this message is this: that fear makes a better thermometer than a thermostat. Fear is a better thermometer than a thermostat. And here's what I mean. Fear is good at telling you what is happening around you. Fear tells you what's going on in the atmosphere, but you should not let fear set the atmosphere. You should not let fear control you. You should not let fear obsess your thoughts and and, and drive your life and drive your decision-making and drive how you treat other people. Fear is is an okay thermometer. It's natural to feel fear to the external stimulus but it makes a horrible thermostat. And what we have right now in culture is a lot of people using fear to set the thermostat, to set the temperature and freaking out and scaring other people. And that's a negative thing. It causes problems. Let's look into the scripture about a story, looking at a story that happened to Jesus and his disciples several thousand years ago, where they were in the midst of a trying circumstance. They were in the midst of a fearful time. And we're gonna see how they responded in this moment. So this is the book of Matthew written by a man named Levi uh, or Matthew Levi, who was one of Jesus' disciples. So this is an eyewitness account. He's here and he's writing this for us, recounting this event. And it says in Matthew chapter eight, then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat. A couple of uh, uh, months, or I guess it was almost a year ago now, I had the opportunity to go to Israel and I was actually on a boat on the lake or the Sea of Galilee. And it was actually a pretty windy day and the waves were starting to kind of hit the side of the boat. And I thought, I wonder if Jesus is going to show up and calm the storm. <laughs> Didn't happen. No, we just, we were fine. And we just got off the tour boat and we went and had falafel. Uh, it was a wonderful time. So here they are. They're on the Sea of Galilee. They're on this lake. There's this big storm. And they, they had these really kind of low-sided uh, wooden fishing boats. And there's actually a, a one that they found buried in the mud there that they put right by the Sea of Galilee that you can look at And so it makes sense when you hear this story why they would have been afraid. It's almost like a big, long canoe with kind of low sides. And so the water's splashing over the side and they're scared and it says, but Jesus was sleeping, okay? He's not concerned. Uh, The disciples went and woke him up shouting, which is how we all love to be woken up, right? Shouting, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. And Jesus responded, why are you afraid? And I imagine in this moment, they're like, because of the wind and the waves, because the water splashing over the side of the boat. Hey, nap time, Jesus, like you need to turn on like miracle Jesus because we're freaked out because of circumstances. And how many people right now are like, why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? Um, Let me see, because uh, there's a pandemic and I can't get any toilet paper and there's no March Madness. Like there's a reality of circumstances. Let's be honest about that. And let's be realistic, okay? We're not burying our heads in the sand. Jesus says, why are you afraid? But then he says something really important. He says, You have so little faith. You see, faith and fear are like opposite sides of of a tension here. They're responding in fear, but they're letting it be a thermostat rather than a thermometer. You see, it's okay to feel fear. It's okay to be afraid because there's a storm. But Jesus says, wait a second, why do you have so little faith? Because faith is an antidote to fear. Faith is about who's in the boat with you. And that's what we're going to look at here. He, then it says, he got up and he rebuked the wind and waves. And suddenly there was a great calm. The disciples were amazed. Who is this man? They asked, even the winds and waves obey him. Jesus says, why are you afraid? Why do you have such little faith? Faith and fear, right? They, they kind of counter each other and interact. And here's the reality of why Jesus could say this, because it's not about the storm. It's about who's in your boat. And I, this might be kind of cheesy, but Maybe say this out loud with me, where you are, right? You can kind of look at the person who's not paying attention and elbow them because it's time to pay attention in church, right? It's not about the storm. It's about who's in your boat. You see, right now you're in a storm. We're all in a storm. There's uh, scary circumstances going on. And maybe you're one of those people who's like, I'm not afraid or whatever. But you're afraid of how other people are acting, aren't you? Which is why you're virtue signaling on Facebook and telling everyone not to be afraid. See, everyone's feeling fear one way or another for one reason or another. Why are you afraid? Why do you have such little faith? It's not about the storm, it's about who's in your boat. So, how do we face real fear? What is Jesus pointing his disciples to, and what is he pointing us to in this moment today? He's telling us to put our trust in the right place. Where is your confidence? Where is your hope? Where is your faith? And I want you to understand something that when we talk about faith in this context as a tension against fear, I don't mean blind faith. I don't mean the kind of faith that maybe a lot of people think of when they think of the Christian faith, perhaps even you, maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you're not someone who's a follower of Jesus right now. And you think of faith as like believing in the Easter Bunny or believing in Santa Claus, believing in Jesus. Those are all kind of that faith, that blind faith without evidence. No, this is faith in the character and the nature and the revelation of a person. You see, Jesus could rebuke their unbelief or their lack of faith and their, their, their thermostat level of fear because he had revealed himself to them and they knew who Jesus was. And so faith in this context is about trust. Faith is about putting your trust in the right place. See, faith does not mean that everything is gonna work out exactly how you want it to. Now, I don't wanna burst your bubble, but here's the reality. Christians around the world uh, I'm sure have already expired, died from coronavirus. Some people will actually die from this disease. Um, there will be economic downturn or there already is. and I'm not saying things that are untrue. I'm not trying to spark fear. What I'm trying to say is let's be realistic that even people who love Jesus actually still go through circumstances and sometimes things don't turn out the way that they want. But here's the reality. It's the same for everyone else who doesn't have faith. but here's where the here's where it turns is that faith doesn't mean everything's going to necessarily work out exactly as you want it to, but even in the midst of storms, you're not alone. You have someone with you. It's not about the storm. It's about who's in your boat, and I want to talk to you about how powerful it is to take faith and to take courage and to have faith and put your trust in the right place so that fear does not control you. Fear does not become the thermostat. Fear does not dominate your thoughts. Fear does not control your actions and your attitude. Fear but can have a proper place, but not not the preeminent place in your life. How does that happen? It happens by putting our trust in Christ. It happens by recognizing who is in the boat with us. So I wanna give you three things today that happen when you put your faith in Christ. And I believe this is going to encourage you. I believe this is gonna elevate you and give you a good mindset to face these circumstances with a smile on your face, with your faith in the right place. All right. Number one, when you put your faith in Christ, he is with you. He is with you. There's something about isolation, isn't there? There's something about being alone. There's something about being in the dark where you're more afraid for whatever reason. Now, uh, for me, in my neighborhood, garbage day is Friday. Okay. And they come sometimes very early And so I have a little alarm on my phone Thursday night about eight or 9 p.m. It says garbage, 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 because uh, with this whole family, we are creating all this waste, right? And we put it in the garbage can and I've got to get that garbage can out to the sidewalk, right, so the people can come and pick it up. So I've got this alarm that, that buzzes at me. And during the winter months, typically this alarm goes off and I always forget every week to do it when it's light outside. So we have a pretty long driveway and I have to take my can and, and push it up the, the, the drive and get out to the street. And when it's dark outside and there's kind of a flickering you know, street light and all of a sudden you hear some kind of animal and I'm like the most scaredy cat person ever. Like a cat runs by and I'm instantly, you know, alert and the hackle on the back of my neck goes up. There's something about isolation and there's something about being in the dark. Now, I, to get you to feel sorry for me today, I also have uh, this beautiful, amazing wife, but she has this really bad habit of like, when, after the kids go to bed sometimes and we're watching TV or whatever, I'll go to like check the house and lock the doors three times, you know, and and uh, make sure no the boogeyman isn't hiding under the couch or something. And my wife will actually like sneak around, turn off the lights. And then I'm like in the dark and she's laughing and she's running around and she'll jump out and scare me. And so here I am as a six foot three, you know, uh, a pounded man. I <clears throat> will just let that be there. And uh, my wife's a hundred pounds lighter than me. She's shorter, a foot shorter. And yet here I am terrified of her because it's dark. So the dark and the isolation and fear, it, it, it changes things. But here's the reality. When you have faith in Christ, You're not alone. You're not in the dark. You're not by yourself. He is with you. Listen to what it says in Psalms 23. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. This is a promise. This is a hope. This is an encouragement for you today. You might feel like you are in the pit, the darkest valley, but when you have your faith in the right place, it's not about the valley. It's not about the storm. It's about who is with you. It says, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. God is with you in the midst of the valley. How, how can I, as a Christian person, look this fear in the face and, and be realistic and say, wow, that's kind of scary. Uh, there's some circumstances going on, but I'm not going to be controlled by that. How is that possible? Here's why. Because I'm not alone. Because walking through the valley of the shadow of death, walking through the darkest valley, I have my hand in the hand of my father. I'm walking with, with God. And therefore he is with me and I'm not alone. And that's a promise for you. It says, your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. He is with us. When we put our faith in Christ, he does not abandon us right? He does not leave us as orphans, the scripture says. We are not alone in life. You might feel like, well, everybody's abandoned me. Everyone is socially distancing themselves from me, and it wasn't even a pandemic when they did it, right? I'm just alone. I'm isolated, but in that moment, God did not abandon you. God did not leave you, and that is a promise for you. As a follower of Jesus, he is with you all the time. Number two, when we put our faith in Christ, we find that our hope is in an unshakable, kingdom. It's not of this world. It's in an unshakable kingdom. Let me read this scripture to you in Hebrews chapter 12. It says, this means that all of creation will be shaken and removed. I want you to think of like uh, those platforms where they mine for gold or whatever, and they shake the, the ore and it, and all the dirt comes out and all that's left is what is valuable, right? Uh, this is what is happening to the world. There's a shaking that's taking place. And it says so that only unshakable things will remain since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. We are living through a time of shaking. There is economic shaking, there is shaking in culture, there is shaking in politics, there is shaking around the world. This isn't just an American thing, it's global. It's not just a Lane County thing, it's through the whole nation. This is this is a time of shaking, but in these times of shaking, where is your faith and trust? Where have you put the bank account of your hope and trust? Where is it? Is it secure? And the reality is when your faith is in Christ, you are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Uh, As the scripture tells us, we are in this world, but we are not of this world. And therefore, the unshakable things cannot be taken away. They cannot be shaken. And what happens is in times like these, we can see where we have placed our value and where other people have placed their value. Because if, if your value, if your treasure, if your hope and confidence and faith is in the things of this world, things like money and things like your job and things like your career and things like even your physical health, and, and you felt like, oh, I was in total control. I've done everything right. And now this thing comes in from the outside, like this scary monster, and everything is shaking. You find out, oh, I had confidence in these things that are very shakeable. But what I want to encourage you to do today is place your faith in Christ because when there is shaking, you can't shake the kingdom of heaven. It is unshakable. That is the kingdom. That is our inheritance as followers of Christ when we place our faith in the right place. If your value is in this world, though, when it gets shaken, you're shaken. Your confidence, your foundations, they crumble, they're broken. Fear, what happens is it's a fire that reveals what we really treasure. It burns away the artifice. It burns away the hypocrisy. We say, oh, my my life's really about my family and these types of things. And then when we get really afraid, we find out that our life is really about toilet paper, right? It's really about protecting ourselves. It's really about getting all the food and stockpiling it, even though they're going to bring a truck and fill it up again, guys. It's going to come. It's going to come back. We're okay. You're okay. But when, you're, when your hope and your confidence and your faith is in a very shakable world, then when the world gets shaken, you're shaken. But when your faith is in Christ, you're unshakable. You have a kingdom that is unshakable. This is why Jesus told us in, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus' disciple Matthew, he said, here's what Jesus said about this. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths And vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin, and coronavirus, and economic crisis, and all this do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, I told you a little bit about the stock market crash, and those of you that have retirement accounts, my wife and I, we have some, and you know, I we had to put some investments in for our tax purposes, and I put a bunch of money in. And then right after I did that, it was like everything dropped, and I had this like, I don't like that feeling, right? I, it, it really shook me. I was like, oh, and I realized, oh, I was kind of trusting in this money being there, that everything would be secure and it would always just grow. And you go, well, that's not realistic, sure, but that really kind of shook me a little bit. But then I, I, I began to just think about it. I'm like, well, you know what? My real treasure is my relationship with Christ. It's the relationships that I have with other people. My real treasure is not of this world. My treasure is in heaven. And guess what? Nobody can touch that treasure. The stock market doesn't touch that treasure. Uh, A virus does not touch that treasure. Even if my own life was taken from me, my hope and my confidence is unshakable in Christ. And if you can't touch my treasure, you can't steal it. If you can't touch my hope, you can't take it. If you can't touch my joy, you can't steal my joy. And I want to encourage you that, especially if you're a follower of Jesus, that you should be full of joy right now, even in the midst of circumstances. Now don't be a weird Christian, like I'm so happy, don't be that person, right? We understand there's real stuff going on, but we should have unshakable joy because our hope and our confidence is rooted in an unshakable God, and an unshakable kingdom, and it can't be touched. As a follower of Jesus, my hope ultimately is in the resurrection. So even beyond death, I have hope in an unshakable God. Even death isn't to be feared. So that's number two, that our hope is in an unshakable kingdom and we put our faith in Christ. And number three, and we're going to get ready to land this plane here today. Number three is this, that you don't have to be ruled by fear. You don't have to be uh, managed or dictated to or controlled by fear. Right now, there are a lot of people, and I hope that you're watching this live stream today or going to watch it on a replay, that You're feeling great fear. Maybe it even caused you to tune into a church service that you normally would never watch. And so fear has got control of you. It's like, uh, instead of Carrie Underwood and Jesus taking the wheel, like fear has the wheel and it's driving your life. And you're the person that's punching someone in the face because you want more toilet paper, like calm down. But fear is controlling you. And I want to tell you that when you put your faith in Christ, Fear no longer has a say in what you do and how you feel that you can actually turn it around and and put your faith in Christ and fear kind of falls by the wayside. Fear can paralyze us. It can cause us to do things that we wouldn't normally do and act in ways that we wouldn't normally act. But when your faith is in Christ, you have the ability, the power to conquer fear. Says in the book of Romans, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells on the inside of you. Uh, says in another part of scripture, uh, in 2 Timothy 1, 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You know, right now, when you lay your head on the pillow, are you consumed with fear? Are you consumed with what ifs? What's going to happen to my family? What's going to happen? Because if so, it probably shows that your faith is probably just a little bit misplaced. You've placed your faith, your value, your treasure in a a wrong spot. And fear is kind of having its way with you. But when you go, you know what? I'm putting my faith in Christ. Fear is a punk and Christ is victorious. And you can conquer that fear. Come on. You can can have a sound mind. You can have a, a whole mind. He didn't give you a power, a spirit of fear. Jesus said this in John chapter 14, verse 27. Peace is what I leave to you or leave with you. It is my own peace that I give you. In other words, the peace that Jesus feels, the same peace that allowed him to sleep in the middle of a storm in a boat, the same peace of the one who can calm the wind and the waves, the same peace, the very same. He says, I leave with you. I give it to you. I do not give it as the world does. Uh, In other words, what Jesus is saying here is peace in the world is about circumstances. If everything is good, I feel peace. If everything is bad, I have no peace. That's being ruled by fear. Jesus says, I give you a different kind of peace. Do not be worried and upset. Do not be afraid. When you put your faith in Christ, you can look fear in the face realistically and say, "I see the circumstances. My thermometer is working. I know that there's no March Madness. I know that we're running out of toilet paper. I know that this is scary. I know the stock market's crashing. I'm not. I'm not delusional, but I have faith in an unshakable God, and I will not be ruled by fear. I am guided by the love of Christ, by the light of Christ. I am guided by faith in Christ." That is the hope that we have. That is the invitation today. And as we get ready to close, I want to invite you to take a step. You know, even through a live stream, you can hear what I'm saying. You can see me. Uh, You know, I can't see you. I don't know how you're going to respond, but you can make a response. You can take a step forward and make a decision today to place your faith in Christ. And that's the invitation that I give to you today. That literally wherever you are, Whether you've been doing the right stuff, doing the wrong stuff, whatever, it doesn't matter. It's not about who you are, where you are, where you've been. It's about the fact that as you hear this today, you can respond in faith and make a decision to place your faith and give your allegiance to Christ. In the scripture, when it says, uh, believe in Jesus, it's actually talking about allegiance. It's talking about Uh, making Jesus the Lord of your life. And those are kind of religious words, but it means you're saying, Jesus, you're my captain, you're my boss. You're, You're the one that I'm gonna follow wherever you lead. And when we put our faith and our trust in Jesus and we give him ownership of our life, he gives us this unshakable hope we receive an inheritance in this unshakable kingdom. Your treasure moves from a very shakable level down here to the place in heaven. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. And when you put your faith and trust in Him, His work at the cross makes you part of the family of God. And so my invitation for you today is to put your faith in Christ. And I want to lead you in a prayer and encourage you to, from this day forward to follow Jesus. Now, what I want to tell you is, look, we're we're not meeting live. We're not meeting publicly. You're seeing this on a live stream. But if you make this decision today, I want you to understand that it has ramifications. It means that you are committing yourself to follow Jesus, right? You are committing yourself to be his disciple, his student, and to follow after him in what he leads you to do. So if that's you and you want to put your faith in Christ today, would you just bow your head and close your eyes and repeat this prayer after me? Dear Jesus, I pray that you would forgive me for my sins. I ask that you would give me life, that you would give me love. I pray that you would be the Lord of my life. I repent of my sins and I place my trust and faith in you and in you alone. I give you my life, all the good, all the bad. I place my trust in you. Give me the grace to follow you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.